Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 5, Episode 1. And there was much rejoicing. Well, it's good to be back. I've missed the microphone, well, and you guys, during my accidental hiatus. I will say that the station feels a little different on a Tuesday evening, but I'm sure we'll all get used to it. You know, some things we get used to and some things we can just try to fix. So if Tuesday bugs you, you can wait until Thursday. No points lost. I do have to say, I have a pet peeve. And you're going to be the first ones to hear about it, though I am working on a video for my students. I wouldn't have mentioned it here, but a leader I respect made this mistake on Twitter, and so it bugs me. Gang, we all know that the past tense of lead is led. I led the team through the crisis. Moses led the Israelites to the promised land. What we don't know is how to spell it. Led. The past tense of lead is spelled L-E-D, like the light bulbs. It's not spelled with an A. In that spelling, lead is a gray metal with a relatively low melting point. I know, I know, this is an odd quirk of our language. The past tense of read is red, both spelled the same way, R-E-A-D, apparently because R-E-D had already been taken. Now, I'm not suggesting that this makes sense. I'm just saying, if you want to be a leader, at least learn how to spell lead or lead in all of its declensions. I admit, I'm probably an outlier, but in this case, not necessarily an outlier. Every time I see that word spelled wrong, I think they don't really know their discipline. That might be harsh, but it's a rookie error. Well, that's it. Let's see if there's something else we should talk about. In my little corner of the world, we've been through a few days of brutally cold weather. It is winter, so that's to be expected. A few days ago, after a significant snowfall, I found myself bundled up, seated on my tractor, clearing snow. Now, when we bought the tractor, my wife said, you know, you're going to want a cab. I argued with her. I come from tough Norwegian stock, and I laugh in the face of bad weather. I simply reminded her that there is no bad weather, just bad clothing. She was pretty insistent that, no, there really is bad weather. I doubted. I was wrong. The air temperature was below zero, below 20 below Celsius, just for those of you north of the border. And I'm on a tractor on top of a hill, having all the warmth whipped out of me by the unrelenting wind. I'm moving snow, and I'm getting, well, sandblasted, snowblasted, when the snow that I'm stirring up gets slapped back at my face. It probably sounds miserable, but it wasn't. It's the oddest thing. Here I am, a bookish academic sort, and I'm in my happy place when I'm able to be out doing some actual physical work. Now, for most people who are drawn to leadership, these folks probably have a very lively life of the mind, as they used to call it. You're used to thinking things through, understanding processes, developing strategy, working with other knowledge workers, as Peter Drucker called them, people who get paid for using their minds and not their bodies. 
Now, here's the thing, though. God created us as whole people. Sure, there's a mental and intellectual aspect to our lives, and some of us get paid for that. But that's not all we are. We have an emotional, aesthetic, physical, and spiritual aspects in our lives that we really can't ignore. For me, just because of the way God wired me up, the intellectual, emotional, spiritual, and aesthetic pieces have always come easily to me. Truth, goodness, and beauty, well, they resonate. But I never saw myself as one who was particularly physical. About eight years ago, though, I started working with a trainer and working out on a regular basis. I discovered some athletic abilities and some physical abilities that I never knew were there. And then we started working more on our farm. That's a long story, not for now. I have a tractor and a chainsaw, and I got some help training and tutoring how to use them safely. Now here's my caveat. Do that, get safety training, tools can be dangerous, and they don't have an undo button. <laughs> well anyway, much to my surprise, that's become my happy place. Turning f trees into firewood, moving dirt, moving snow, now, I'm not saying I'm a farmer. No, I'm not even a respectable city farmer. Here's what I am, though. I'm a guy who, against all odds, has discovered that he likes doing work and projects outdoors. I like being out in creation, marveling at the beauty and intricacy of it all. I have a fair amount of land that needs the snow removed from it. From the road, back past the garage and the workshop, out toward where the barn used to be, and with enough room to turn a car around. Now, I only bore you with that detail to say it took me a few times plowing snow to figure out the lay of the land and develop a good process for it. My thinking told me that I knew how to plow snow before I'd actually done it. I knew how to drive the tractor and use the bucket. I mean, how hard can it be? Harder than it looks, it turns out. See, thinky theory only goes so far when it comes to applied practice. I knew in my head, but I didn't really know in any practical sense of the word. I won't say I always get it perfect, but I know where the high spots are, the low spots. I know the best places to pile the snow so it's out of the way and so it doesn't flood the yard when it melts. I know that the snow by the road goes by the windmill and everything else goes down by the silos. And respect the groomed snowmobile trail. This is, this is how learning works. My lessons in woodworking came from actually working with the wood. My lessons in cutting firewood, same story. My lessons in clearing snow came out of actually clearing snow. I've heard people say that they like work like this because it stays done. Well, it doesn't. I had to move snow two days in a row, the same brutal weather, because the wind drifted the driveway closed on day two. Okay, yes, things usually last more than a day, but still your work has to be maintained. The fences have to be mended, landscaping needs to be tended, and new swales have to be cut to manage water flow. In fact, that's my project for spring. See, gardens don't weed themselves, although there is permaculture, so that's my goal. Sorry, it wasn't my plan to regale you with tales from the farm. It is my plan to ask you to move outside of your comfort zone and learn something in a new way. Now, for some of you, that might mean you have to read a book. For some of you, that might mean change the way you eat, a new workout plan. Some of you, working with your hands might be just the thing. 
My original working title for this episode was Get a Tractor, Get a Chainsaw, Get to Work. But there are plenty of people who could never make that a reality. But that doesn't mean you have to stay put. Find something productive to do. Make something. Buy a kit if you have to, just to get started. I have a good friend who does stained glass, and he does fantastic work. Another makes jewelry from wire and found artifacts. Another runs a sawmill. Another friend loves baking. These are not jobs, by the way. These are their ways to relax. But they're more than hobbies. See, the word amateur has taken on a lot of meanings that are not there. When most people hear the word, they think second-rate. That's not fair. Amateur means that people do something that they, because they love it. Ama, like amateur, ama comes from the word amore, love. See, you'll also discover that it's way harder to create something than to tear something down. Making things tempers your desire to be the critic. When you know how difficult it is to make something at all, you are way less likely to criticize someone else's outcome. As they used to say, have some skin in the game. So what I learned on the tractor or with chainsaw in hand away from my usual comfort zone, well, I learned that physical life has very different rhythms from intellectual life. Every week on the farm, the landscape changes. I've been told that Japanese culture has traditionally recognized 24 seasons. They're based on weather, agriculture, and locale. I'd say that's about right. You really can see significant differences every couple of weeks. For most people, they recognize two seasons. I have to stay indoors, and I have to go outdoors. Of course, that's not the only rhythm of life that's different. Um, I can grade papers late into the evening and be fine about it, but I've discovered that when I work outdoors, I'll work hard for some hours, and I'll have no interest in my so-called civilian schedule of late evenings. I go to bed physically tired, something that doesn't always happen in my academic life. Physical work makes me go to bed earlier, it makes me wake up earlier, and when I do wake up, I feel like I've, well, like I've really slept. One of the interesting things is that my work on the farm seems to breathe life into my academic and intellectual work as well. Now, I'm not going to go all the way down this path, but there's an old Latin phrase, solvitur ambulando. It is solved by walking around. That has been my experience, but I can also tell you that sometimes solvitur per agitatem tractor, thanks to Yandex for that translation for the Latin, it is solved by driving the tractor. You know, you learn things by engaging the parts of your life that you might have left lie dormant. In my case, that was the physical, the working with my hands elements of life. And for me, it was a shame that it took me so long to learn that I was a natural sprinter with fiercely strong legs and that I have the ability to actually help people with my physical abilities as well as with my emotional and intellectual capacities. So what's yours? What part of your life have you never tried because you never thought you were capable? Was it painting, poetry, gardening, DIY projects, writing, working out? Look, I'm not telling this to shame you. I'm telling you this because there are things you can learn, really learn, only by engaging aspects of yourself that you might be inclined to ignore. You might discover some things about yourself and your own leadership that will be a complete surprise to you. 
I won't go into great detail on this, but these ideas line up with Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. People are differently good at different things. So here's my application of it. Some of your intelligences can be used to make a living, and some of your intelligences can be used to make a life. You know, that's a good thing to remember, and it's at the core of lifelong learning and developing out your leadership in new ways. So even if the specifics are different in your own life, please take my advice. Get a tractor, get a chainsaw, and get to work. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station.